The following podcast is from Tabernacle Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia. Thanks for listening. Church family, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I hope you do. I want to invite you to find your place in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and this morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I'll use this passage, this text, as a starting place. And this morning I want to preach in more of a topical or systematic fashion throughout Scripture as we look at the subject, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Today we've had first grade Bible day, hoping to impress upon our young people the importance of God's Word. And I wanted to take uh, this Sunday as an opportunity to press the pause button on Mark's Gospel and to challenge us in regards to reading our Bibles. I can remember when I attended college, attended college at a Christian school, and I spent one summer representing that school, traveling to different towns on uh, the eastern side of our country, uh, preaching Sunday mornings in churches, and then preaching to students, youth, and children during the week. And it seemed like, for whatever reason, that summer that I traveled, I got assigned uh, to the north. Spent most of my time up north in towns like Meriden, Connecticut, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Penyan, New York, all these places like that, places I'd never been before. It's a little bit homesick. I'd never been to some of those old northern towns. And so uh, things uh, just were a little bit depressing to me. Also, no sweet tea none of the food I was used to. I remember I was somewhere in Pennsylvania and this lady told me, she said, well, you're from the South. I'm going to make fried chicken for you. And she made fried chicken. Whatever meal she used, breading to coat that chicken, when the fried chicken was put on the table, it was as yellow as Big Bird from Sesame Street. And then it looked like fried chicken I'd had before. But I had one week where I went to uh, preach and minister in the South. Lo and behold, in Georgia, down in South Georgia near Bainbridge. And I remember I flew in to Tallahassee, and this older preacher who pastored this church picked me up. He pastored a country church off of a dirt road. He picked me up in Tallahassee, though, and drove me to this small town And on the way there, I remember him saying, son, I don't know where you're from and if you'll like to eat our food or not, but we had a big fish fry at the church today and all we've got's leftovers. All we've got's fried crappie and hush puppies and cheese grits and sweet tea. I hope that'll be all right for you. And I said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All right. (laughs) And I was excited. But Then he introduced me to a custom that he and his wife had. They'd been married for many years. He had pastored for many years. But that evening after we ate, he said, now we do something in our house. In the evening before we go to bed, we read a few chapters of the Bible. And he said, we've had it as our custom for years to do this each evening, most every evening, and read through the Bible each year. And I sat there and listened. They would take turns. He would read five verses, then his wife would read five. And I remember it really struck me that evening because we were in Chronicles and we were reading genealogies. 
And he said, this may seem profitless, but what we've done is over the years, we've read the Bible over and over and over again, and it's like we've stored it up in our hearts and minds. We just want to cherish God's Word. And, and I learned that summer from that, that man the importance of regularly reading God's Word. And since that time, I've tried to make it my aim to do the same thing, to regularly read the Bible, to store it up in my heart and in my mind. I'm convinced of this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that the road to spiritual growth and transformation is paved through the pages of God's Word. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And notice, first of all, the prohibition. Don't be conformed to this age. It's a Greek word that speaks of something being pressed into a mold. And know this, there is an evil world system all around us. It's under sway of the evil one, the prince of this world. And he wants you to be pressed into the mold of this world. Uh, Satan, our arch enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is, as Jesus said, as Paul said, the God of this age. He has blinded people from seeing the truth of Christ. And he wants to ensnare your soul and get you living for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Lord has a remedy. We stand strong against the God of this age when we allow our minds, as the Word of God says here, to be transformed by God's truth. The Greek word there is a word transformed that speaks of a metamorphosis. It's a word from which we get our word metamorphosis. Now we know what that word means. Paul didn't necessarily know what it means, but we can get the meaning of the word picture for a 21st century mind. When we read and study God's word, when we allow God's truth to pass over our gray matter, we have our thinking, our mental schemas, our mental processes transformed by God's truth. And when our mind is changed by God's truth, our souls are affected. And when our souls are affected, it results in life change. Oh, in the midst of a crazy 21st century society, let's remember that the road to spiritual growth is paved through the pages of the Bible. If we want to be changed, if we want to experience freedom in Christ, if we want to be witnesses for him, if we want to make a difference in this world, we've got to be people of the book. I seek to motivate us this morning and to remind us of why it's important for us to cherish the Bible. We're trying to encourage our children, first graders, to be kids of the book. I want to encourage us as a church as a whole to stick with Scripture, to believe in the inerrant, infallible, sufficient, inspired Word of God, and to live in it. Well, why should we do that? Why should we value God's Word? I want you to consider this morning six benefits six benefits that come our way when we cherish God's Word. Uh, number one, I believe by studying Scripture systematically and topically, we see that the Bible can bring joy into our lives. Joy. Everybody say that word, joy. 
Now, when we look around at society nowadays, we have to admit that it seems so many people are sad. Discouragement and depression abound. Discontentment, unhappiness in life seem to be the lot for many. I remember not long ago reading a research article, peer-reviewed journal article, in which it talked about the way in which American society is suffering from a scourge of depression. And it compared the way in which there is seemingly more depression in the United States of America than other countries, even countries that don't have as much as we have here in the United States of America. And this article considered this strange finding. Why in a nation of abundance does there seem to be per capita more depression and discouragement? Indeed, we live in a nation in which there is so much worry, so much fretting, so much pain, so much discontent and unhappiness, such a lack of joy. Uh, Why is it? I believe in many ways it's because we've tried to find contentment and satisfaction in things that will never satisfy. We've believed the lie that our bank accounts and our stuff can fill the void in our hearts. I believe this is also true because we as Americans many times spend so much time ingesting things through media that inevitably lead to discouragement. We watch the news and allow it to stink and stink, give us stinking thinking. We watch TV shows and reality shows that force us to compare our lives to lives that really aren't real. We scan social media and perhaps compare ourselves to others. And in all of this, we get our eyes off of the Lord and his truth. Uh, Know this, in order to have real joy and contentment in life, we need to return to the good book. Remember who the Lord is. Remember who we are. Remember what's gone wrong with the world and how it can be made right through Jesus. Scripture can bring us joy. Jeremiah knew this. The prophet knew this. He wrote in his day and spoke of his interactions with God's word. And he said in Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart. Now notice Jeremiah's commitment. He eats the word of God. He consumes it. Not in a literal fashion like he's stuffing pages of a scroll in his mouth, but in a figurative fashion. See, Jeremiah knew what Jesus knew. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I can remember in high school having a preacher who once said he had this commitment in his life, no breakfast, no Bible. No breakfast, no Bible. He made a commitment that he wanted to make his spiritual intake more important than his physical intake. Can I remind you when we do what Jeremiah did, 
when we do what Jesus encouraged us to do, when we regularly, daily read God's word and seek to understand what it means for our lives, we unlock joy and delight in our life. Jeremiah said it became a delight to me. That means he actually enjoyed the process of reading God's word. And he said it became the joy of my heart. It became his basis of happiness and contentment in life. So know if you want to be happy, you need to first make sure you have chiseled out, carved out time in your daily schedule before you look at the TV, before you scan the phone to see what's going on in the world, before you even eat a meal, perhaps have this commitment, read God's word and hear what thus saith the Lord. Reading the Bible brings joy. Number two, reading the Bible brings protection from sin protection from sin now here is the reality in life we are all every day tempted to say think and do things that fall short of God's standard for our lives I remember being taught as a younger believer that the more you mature in Christ the more you will sense your frailty the more you will discern how unholy you are I would like to think that I'm maturing to some degree because there's times I feel overwhelmed with my own depravity. Yes, I'm righteous in Christ, but I know this. Like the old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I know this, we all stumble in many ways, James chapter 3. And I know this, that in life at times I'm just a step away from sin. I need the Lord's help. I need his protection. How can a young man keep his way pure? We see that question in Scripture. And the answer comes back, the refrain, by paying attention to the Word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119.11, I've treasured your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Notice the purpose statement in the, midst of that, the middle of that verse. It's seen with those two words, so that. The psalmist reveals the purpose behind regularly treasuring God's word and storing it up in his soul, his heart, his mind. The purpose was so that I might not sin against you. Notice this, that when you regularly ingest and study and understand and aim with the help of the Holy Spirit to obey God's word, you receive protection from moral defilement. The Lord, with the Word of God, guards your way. Studying, reading, obeying the Word of God is a way of protecting our hearts and minds from sin. We'll be less susceptible to the snares of Satan when our minds are chock full of Bible truth. Jesus knew this. That's why when he was tempted in Matthew 4, you remember that story? Satan tempts them in three different areas. Same areas that Adam and Eve were tempted in. Same areas that the ancient kings of Israel were tempted in. Same areas that Satan tempts everybody in. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Do you remember as Satan volleyed each temptation towards our Lord? Our Lord returned with Scripture. It is written, he said, authoritatively pronouncing truth from God's word. He knew this, Ephesians chapter 6, the word of God 
is our sword in doing battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. So believer, know this, when you equip yourself with the Bible, you have protection from sin. I can remember being in college and I attended college, mentioned my college days earlier, I attended college in Pensacola, Florida. And I can remember that first semester being so excited to go to the beach. I live near the beach. Now, interestingly, my senior year, I went to the beach the week before graduation because I said, boy, I better go to the beach before this semester's over. I haven't been all semester. When you live near the beach, it's not as big of a deal. So anyways, first semester, I remember they had a chapel at this Christian college where they would train us in beach safety. Pensacola is famous for riptides. They taught us how to respond if you ever got caught in a riptide. Then they taught us about safety in the sun. This Christian college had a lot of rules. One of them was this. If you are sick because of sun poisoning, it will not be an unexcused absence because you ought to have enough sense to put sunscreen on. Now, the problem for me was this. I don't like rubbing any lotion-y stuff on my skin. I mean, I just, ugh. But further, like now, now, now I do it. That's kind of the point of this illustration. I learned that you need to put sunscreen on. But now at least I have help. You know, when you go, when I go to the beach now, I, I put sunscreen on the front. And I, I can say, Laura, can you please get my back? When I was in college, you know, I just didn't want to have to say, hey, Kevin, can you get my back? <laughs> so I remember the first time I went, I went with no sunscreen. We played football all day on the beach, had our lunch on the beach. And that evening, I, I felt a little bit burned, but I remember getting back to the dorm room, and I was standing in my dorm in the end of the hallway, and I was talking to a buddy at the other end of the hallway, probably from me to those doors right there. We'd been talking for a few moments. All of a sudden, he said, oh, my goodness. I just realized you don't have a shirt on. I was so red. I mean, I was like Georgia Bulldog, beat red. He thought I had a shirt on. Uh, later, I came down with that sun-poisoning sickness. I had to force myself to go to class, but I learned this great principle for life. You need sunscreen when you go to the beach. You need protection. And friends, guess what? This morning, as we leave this building this morning, we're going out into a world that is hostile to Jesus, hostile to the faith. We're going to be placed into environments in which we're tempted to forget our God and to engage in sin, and we need protection. How can we have protection every day? We need to get up and fill our minds and fill our hearts with the truth of God and pre-program our thinking with heaven's realities. And then, when we face a lost, unregenerate, broken world, we'll be equipped to stand. We get protection from sin. Number three, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. Number three, the Bible gives us wisdom. Wisdom. Now, some people mistakenly think that wisdom is equal to knowledge, that they're the same thing. Or wisdom might just be knowledge that some old person has. 
Wisdom is more than that. We learn from studying the Proverbs that wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to life's situ- life situations. See, it's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to actually know how to do it and to apply it to a given situation. Wisdom. The Bible regularly encourages us in this regard. We don't need to just gather information from God. Yes, we need information and we need truth and we need God's precepts, but we need this heart work that takes place when we gather God's truth, wherein we gain the spiritual capacity then to go out and live life and apply God's truth to relationships, work, difficult situations, and the various issues of life. We need wisdom. And we get wisdom through the Word of God. We're encouraging the Bible, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. We're told from God's Word, we're given this promise, James 1, 5, that the Lord loves to liberally give wisdom to all who seek after it. And then we're told that the Bible is a surefire guaranteed way of gaining wisdom the psalmist said psalm 119 130 the revelation of your words brings light and it gives understanding to the inexperienced i don't know about you but sometimes i feel inexperienced in life i don't have the experience i need to be the parent i need to be i don't have the experience i need to be the husband I need to be. Sometimes I don't have the experience I need to face difficult situations. Sometimes I feel inexperienced before the Lord to even pastor this church. But I have this promise from God's word. If I will humble myself and lower myself and admit my need, regularly read and study God's word and seek to apply my heart to it the Bible promises the Lord will give me not just knowledge but wisdom knowledge in action the ability to apply God's truth to all of the various seasons and situations of life oh thanks be to God he gives us wisdom from his word I can still remember When I became a believer, shortly after becoming a believer, I was counseled by a man in my church who gave me some advice for living the Christian life. I still have the Bible I had at that time, and I remember him taking that Bible and saying, now I want you this this week to go read the book of James. It's real practical. It gives you real straightforward truth from God. You'll be able to understand it. When you finish that, Read 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Then when you're finished that, read Philippians. Then do this for me. Do this for yourself. Each day, read a proverb. It's about in the middle of your Bible. There's 31 of them. If you read a proverb a day, about each month you'll read through the Proverbs. I like to say, I've tried to keep that habit. I like to say now I read a proverb a day to keep the stupid away. Know this, the Word of God gives you wisdom. But I can remember just being young, being in college, not having much insight or sense of direction in life, but I was doing what that man said. I was reading a proverb a day, and I, said, I felt like every day I was growing leaps and bounds. The Lord was giving me wisdom. Mark it down. This is a promise from His Word. He will give 
experience and insight to the inexperienced. Number four this morning, I want you to see that the Word of God gives us correction. The Word of God gives us correction. Now, how many of y'all just love to be corrected? And if you've loved being corrected, you might have a little bit of a problem. Seems like in life that we're built with something where we don't like our faults to be pointed out. I was reading this morning, following that habit I just mentioned earlier, reading Proverbs chapter 13. And I believe the very first proverb spoke of this subject. A wise son responds to his father's discipline, but a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. The Bible warns us of our need to receive correction. I can remember from a young age not liking to be told, your shoes are untied, young man, tie your shoes. I I can remember from a young age being corrected at school or in the home and, and not liking correction. But then I learned in time... There is good in a lot of correction. Now I find myself being a father and telling my son, Will, son, your shoes are untied once again. Oh, do I really have to tie them? Yes. And and as parents, what do you tell them when they ask that? What's going to happen if you don't tie your shoes? You're going to trip. You're going to fall. So there's good reason with that correction. Now notice this, the Bible teaches us that there is correct, we receive correction and we need that correction. Just like that child being corrected when shoes are untied. Man, he ought to know he he needs that correction. He needs to be safe. Now know this, we've got a, a, a heavenly father that knows all things. He is all wise. He made the sun, the moon, the stars. He knows how life works best. On top of that, he is all loving. So he has left you with a book that gives you insight for living, that corrects you when you are near danger and destruction. The Bible teaches us that it is a source of receiving God's correction. We read in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For what? Listen, for teaching, for rebuking, and for correcting. Oh, how sweet it is sometime to receive stripes from the Lord and to read the Word of God, to have your pride rebuked, to have your lust corrected, to have your unloving behavior challenged. It's good to be admonished from the Lord. That word corrected there in 2 Timothy 3.16 was an ancient Greek word that was used of a doctor setting or resetting a bone that had been broken and the bible uses that greek word to describe what happens when we read god's word as if as if our souls are broken as if we're all out of alignment And as you, in your daily Bible reading time, as you sit underneath the teaching of Scripture, the master physician has a way of setting things straight and making things right. I remember on one occasion when I was younger, a lot younger. I say that because I'm about to tell a story that makes me look bad, all right? So when I was younger one time, I got upset. I got frustrated. And I, I was lying on the floor and I punched the floor. And right when I did, I felt this pain right there. 
a boxer's break, that little bone right there. Now, I was too proud to admit what I'd done, so I went around faking it like it wasn't hurt. And that doesn't work when you're in ministry and you shake people's hands. People shaking a preacher's hand, it's like, oh, you man. So I finally went to the emergency room. And the, the guy in the emergency room said, you, you hit something, didn't you? And I said, yeah. He said, it wasn't a person, was it? No, no, it wasn't. He said, well, I could have fixed that, but you waited too long. And as a result, it's grown back together, but it hasn't grown back together correctly. And so when you get older now, you're going to have some arthritis and pain in that hand when you get older one day. And he said, this is a Christian doctor, he said, when you get older and you feel that pain, just let it always be a memorial and testament to the fact that it ain't no good to lose your cool. But he could have helped me. He could have set that bone, but I was too proud to go and have somebody look at it. And there's many times in lives where we're stuck in the gutter of self and we're too proud to look in the Word of God. And if we would, the Lord could set us straight and help us out and save us from a whole lot of pain. Know this, the Bible brings correction. Number five, the Bible brings sanctification. Bible reading does something to sanctify us. When its principles begin to take hold of our thinking patterns, our lives are gradually changed. In times, we begin to have lifestyles that look drastically different than others in the world. Our values, speech patterns, and general demeanors begin to change. The Bible calls this process sanctification. And we're told in 1 Thessalonians 4.3 that this is the will of God, our sanctification. Sanctification is the idea of someone becoming holy, of being set apart from the world and set apart unto the Lord, reserved for special usage. Guess what God wants to do with your life? He has plucked you out of the world, and he wants to use you. He wants to clean you up and make you spotless. And then he wants to, he wants to set you apart for his special usage so he can use you as a channel, as a conduit, to make his glory known to the sin-sick world. This is called sanctification, gradually becoming more and more like Jesus. And Jesus taught us that his word is a means through which he accomplishes this purpose. How does the Lord sanctify us? One of his primary tools is the Bible. Jesus said in John 17, 17, when praying for me and you, he prayed this to the Father. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And know this, as you read, study the Bible, as you understand it, as you sit underneath the preaching of the word of God as you are this morning, as you attend Bible studies on Wednesday night or attend a life group, as you engage in reading books about the Bible, as you ingest God's truth over time, it does a supernatural work, seemingly mysteriously and magically in your soul. It does a supernatural work from the inside out to make you more like Jesus. Oh, cherish the word of God. Sanctification doesn't come through mere man-centered willpower. It comes through God's power, and God uses the Word of God to sanctify us. 
I think about a story I read recently about a young boy who grew up in eastern Kentucky. And he had an old grandfather, a papa, who he saw regularly reading the Bible. And one day he complained to his papa. He said, Papa, I see you reading the Bible regularly. And you're such a good man, such a good Christian man. You seem to love Jesus and you've got so much joy. But I've got to be honest, it's hard for me to read the Bible. I've tried reading it before and I don't understand it. Or I've tried reading it before and I understood it, but I didn't see a, a change. It seems like you've got something I don't, that it's impossible for me to read the Bible and live as you live. The grandfather was putting coal in an old coal stove that he had and pointed to a basket near the stove and he said, son, take that basket I used to carry coal in and take it down to the river for me and fill it up with water and fetch me some water and bring it back. So the boy thought he'd follow along with his grandfather and took that old coal basket and ran down to the, to the river and, or the creek and he filled it with water and returned as quick as he could to his grandfather. But by the time he got to the threshold of the house, he noticed the basket was empty. So he thought he'd try one more time. This time he went back, filled the basket up with water and thought, I need to run as fast as I can with this basket and hope that all the water doesn't leak out before I return. So he tried this time, ran as fast as he could, but it was no use. By the time he returned, all the water was gone again. So he went into his grandfather and said, Papa, you, you gave me a basket. The water keeps leaking out. Could you, could you maybe give me a bucket instead? He said, no, nah, I, I want you to use that old coal basket. Go back one more time and fill it up with water and bring it to me. So the boy thought, okay, I'll try to do what Papa said. Went back, filled it up again. Sure enough, once again, it leaked all the water out. Boy comes back despondent, dejected. Papa, it's impossible. I can't do it. I can't carry water in this basket. And the grandfather asked his grandson, he said, son, look inside the basket. And the boy looked and where there had been all of that coal dust previously, now the basket on the inside had been cleaned. And the grandfather was trying to teach him a lesson about how the Word of God works in our lives. We may read it over and over again and feel like it's not producing any result. But friends, have faith in God and His Word and in the words of Jesus and know that the Word of God has the power to work mysteriously beyond our comprehension to change us on the inside and to make us more like Jesus. The Word of God accomplishes sanctification. If you want to be free from toxic talk, emotional chaos, life-dominating hang-ups, do some rearranging with your priorities. Say no to some of the things you're doing on your phone or on the TV. Manage your time well and say, with God's help every day, I'm going to be in the good book so that the good Lord can change me. Lastly, I want you to see that the Bible gives us role models. 
It's the final benefit of reading the Bible. I'm thankful in my life that everywhere I've lived, you know, I can think back to Pensacola, Florida, Barnesville, Georgia, Cedartown, Georgia, Lawton, Oklahoma, even here in Cartersville, Georgia. The Lord has seemingly put older men in my lives through churches, different individuals, peers, who serve as role models for me or examples for me. And that's the body of Christ. As you know, this also in, in, in the Bible, we have role models. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans 15, 4, whatever was written aforetime in the past was written for our instruction, speaking about the Old Testament, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Notice Paul gives us a benefit of reading the Bible as we read of the great stories of saints of old. We get to learn lessons from their lives. We don't have to make the same mistakes they made. We can look at how the Lord blessed them and get encouragement. We can observe the way the Lord sustained and led the prophets, the saints, and gain strength and steadfastness for our souls. See, I've learned this by reading the Bible each year and by reading its great stories. I've received role models for life. I can think about old Moses and the way he was tempted to to lose his cool with the people of God and I receive a warning of the importance of keeping my emotions under control. I can think about David and though he was blessed by the Lord, he let his eyes gaze on something that was not his own and he stumbled and committed a serious sin and it marred and marked his life. I could think of Abraham and the way he lived by the fear of man when he went into other countries and he lied about the identity of his wife and I'm reminded of the need to live by the fear of the Lord instead of the fear of man. As I look at all that's going on in America nowadays, I'm tempted to become negative and jaded and cynical. But then I remember Daniel and the way he lived with faith and vibrancy in Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. See, there's story after story in Scripture. Read the good book. It's better than any other book. It's the only book God's written. Other books were written for information. The Bible was written for transformation. And if you'll commit, as we're encouraging our first graders to do, to be a person of the book, the Lord will use role models. And the Bible will bless you with examples for your spiritual encouragement, edification, and endurance. For more information, visit us online at tabernaclebaptist.org. Thanks for listening.